Man, I played soccer today. Oh, okay. How was that? Oh, man, I still got it. <laughs> but you played basketball yesterday and soccer today? Yeah, then I have basketball tomorrow. Damn. What are you, 20? Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> what wish. is this? But wow. yeah, no, it was soccer was unreal. Like it got to the point where like I basically became positionless. Oh yeah. Scotty Barnes of soccer. Oh yeah, it was it was nice. Yeah, like usually, like you know, in the beginning, like not beginning in an hour game, like everyone's like dying for subs. Yeah. And first game of the season for us. And uh okay. near the end, they're just like, yo, like just stay on like you're doing like good enough like we're tired and i was like all right like stay on you're the star uh i'm not the best player by any means but like i played much better than i think some other people did because they're just like out of shape haven't played i was gonna you ask mean you were positionless or limitless oh both Ooh. Like if- yeah like I, I i started off left back and then sometimes i'd make my way to midfield then to right wing uh i was like all over the field pretty much because like i don't know my cardio is not bad i guess josh the oh, real, what, would you describe scotty barnes as limitless or positionless both lots of lessons so then why would you even question raj what's going on everybody and welcome back to the hoops corner I'm your host, Peter Tran, and on the line, the Iceman himself, the baby daddy, got himself out of relegation from the dog pound. Dog house? Dog pound? Whatever the saying is. Josh Cohen, how you doing? I'm back. I'm here. I'm ready for the play-in. I'm ready for the playoffs. It's a good time. Good time to be alive. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad to hear it, man. The banger of the paint, a residential medical expert. I'm sorry, uh, Rojan Valia, there was a report from the Ottawa Citizen that Following the completion of tonight's podcast, you're going to be let go. How, did you hear about this before the podcast started? Uh, no, I, I, I did, didn't. But you know what? Uh, fuck that shit. And I'm just going to enjoy tonight. And uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens uh, tomorrow. What just happened? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Woj just tweeted that Raj is going to be ousted after the podcast. Oh, my goodness. But he'll be notified tomorrow morning. Mm. As if you won't know, you know. <laughs> Are you the genie busless well, podcast then? Me? Oh, I'm Dr. Bus, man. I'm taking over the doctor <laughs> role here. Have you have you either of you guys watched Winning Time yet? The Lakers show on HBO? Not yet. I've heard some things about Jerry West, but that's pretty much it. There's a there's a lot of banging. A lot of rockiness. <laughs> John C. Riley's shirt is like yeah, you, uh, you can probably see this. But like it literally goes down to like my belly button. The amount of like unbuttoned that this dude's shirt is. It's like the bottom button only. <laughs> so you have like the the fat hairy chest going on still. Oh yeah. Nice. Oh yeah. Hundred nice. percent. I don't know if that's you what got they Josh. Were... <laughs> yeah, my my chest is not doing that. <laughs> I got the belly, but not the hair. The hair is disgusting. <laughs> like remember Carlos Boozer when he saw his back? It was like fully. It was all this disgusting, like bushy hair. <laughs> if only he could have transferred that to his head. I mean, his head and all the pimples from the steroids, right? So he had it all going on. <laughs> from steroids. It must huh? have been, right? Wow. Oh, I just meant his shoe polish well, head. Too. God damn. That I didn't... He had like pimples yeah. in the I don't want to call the guy a road monkey. The entire season one year. Yo, I don't... 
adult acne is nothing to laugh at, Josh. What's wrong with you? That doesn't just happen when you're 28 years old. I'm sorry. Right, right, doctor? I still have acne. It, it depends. I don't know. I think uh, Boozer was trying everything to get his hair to grow on his head. Even steroids, huh? <laughs> <laughs> he just lathered it straight into his scalp. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, guys, we're about... Oh, it's the play-in today. Look at that. So, for the first day of the play-in tournament, we're, who are we going to have, Josh? We're looking at... Uh, is it the Nets-Cavs today? On the 12th? It's the big games. You got uh, Nets-Cavs, and then you Ooh. got Clippers-Minnesota. Okay, Raj, give it to me. Who's going to win this Nets-Cavs game? Yeah, it, it's going to be the Cavs. Uh, actually, I'm kidding. I am 100% kidding. <laughs> I, I, I would have said that probably um, if the Cavs didn't have so many injuries and... Uh, kind of lack of continuity, especially with Jared Allen not being there. Um, so I, it's going to be the Nets. Uh, they've probably been underperforming for the majority of the year, but uh, I think when it comes down to putting the basket, oh, the ball in the basket, you have to go with Kevin Durant. I think on the biggest stage, he's going to want to prove that he's the biggest and baddest player in the NBA playoffs. And um, I, I really struggle with watching this Cavs team have the same success they did earlier on in the season. So uh, Nets, I think it's going to be a pretty big victory as well. I think it'll be probably like 12 to 15 point lead throughout the game. And yeah, um, but yeah, that's where I see that game going. Josh, uh, Cavs have any chance without Jared Allen? Unfortunately, I don't think so. Um, it's too bad he's been ruled out because if he did play, you could definitely see the Cavs winning this game. Because the Nets struggle mm-hmm. um, against big teams that can really rebound the basketball and teams that can actually pound them in the paint, which is one of their weak points. And they just don't have enough on the perimeter, too. I mean, the Nets struggle defensively overall. And then, you know, the Cavs are going to be starting Okoro, who you don't have to guard, and Markinen, who's on and off. <laughs> and then off the bench, you have a bunch of guys that the Nets can just attack every time down if they're not getting hot. Like if Kevin Love doesn't do what he did last game of the regular season and score 32 points in 15 minutes, then he's just going to be a body out there that, you know, they're just going to relentlessly go after. So they just have too many weak points on both sides of the ball, and they have to get extremely lucky, especially from the three-point line, in order to stay in this game. So I don't like their chances tomorrow. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't look great for the Cavs, especially since they'll be going against Bruce Brown, who's apparently the best big man in the East right now. When you play with KD, you can easily become the best at anything. It's the KD yeah. effect. I swear, man, for the, for the past, like, two weeks, I swear Bruce Brown averaged, like, three blocks a game or something absurd. Like, I, uh, think I was a defensive warlord out there. But yeah, I mean, the Nets are obviously gonna win this game. I'm more interested in the results of the other, uh, playing game in the east right like you're gonna have the hornets and hawks i think their season series was tied 2-2 and both of these teams are just gonna go wild on offense right none of them can defend for shit let's just get that out of the way there's no there's not even looking at the, their defensive measurements but offensively having a game with trey young against Lamelo ball pretty fun pretty fun i don't know like how competitive they'll be in the against the Cavs afterwards but whoever wins that game man i'm I don't know. I'm just looking forward to it. I like I like uh, high offense games to watch these days. So you say this now, and it's going to be like a 96 to 94 game <laughs> because both teams just don't fast break, and they're playing against like weird zone defenses and not really knowing what to do in those scenarios. Plus, Hayward's out too. 
Yeah. So that's a you know big uh, big hit for the Hornets. Obviously, hold on, hold on. Have have the Hornets even played with Gordon Hayward for half the year? Like has has he really played that much? I'm pretty sure he's been out for most of the year. No, he played for a good portion of the first half of the year for sure, and then the second half he had two different injuries, I believe. Um, so I think he's played at least like 50 or so games. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 49, 50, yeah, 49. So, so yeah, but yeah. Okay. I mean, Just even over. last year, look at the record with him and without him, and their net rating. It's it's bad when he doesn't play. Yeah, because you're just losing one more guy where you have to play like Kelly Oubre a lot more minutes now. And then, <laughs> I mean, if you experiment with you know PJ Washington at center, it's probably fine in this scenario because Clint Capella's. You don't think he's going to do too too much against you, um, especially for switching everything. Because he's basically yep. in that Gobert role. Like, if they pass him the ball in the paint, you're like, all right, try to make 10 shots tonight. Or just foul him, you know? Um, but, you know, one thing I did, I did hear and look up afterwards was, uh, you know, the Hornets actually defend Trey Young, I think the third best out of any team in the NBA the last few years. In that they throw huh. a lot of weird defenses, like junky defenses. Sort of like what Nick Nurse does against certain teams, Adam, where they play zone against him. And, you know, they, once they get the ball out of his hands, they like face guard him, not let him get the ball back. So if they do that and they come up with different um, defensive strategies like that to try to limit him and not let him get like four, 30, 34 and like 16, then they got a shot. But overall, I still take the Hawks in this game. Raj, are you going with Stonehand? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, he's going to be leading the team in rebounds. That's probably the only thing that we're going to see from him. <laughs> Um, honestly, I, I think this game is probably going to be the closest out of the first play-in games. Um, yeah, I, I, I really think that the, the Hawks should be able to come out of this. The, the main difference being that they had a huge playoff run last year. Uh, they've played with kind of a high-pressure situation. Uh, it seems like Trey has really em- embraced that role. And I think one thing that doesn't get talked about enough about Trey is... He actually led the league in both number of points and assists this year, like total number. Um, and he's the first player in the NBA to do that in, I think, the last like 20 so years. I think maybe the first player in NBA history ever to do that. Um, so I, I think he's going to have an impact. Um, the Hawks um, lately have had some tough opponents. Um, so have the Hornets. So I, I think overall both teams are coming into this game like probably well prepared. It's not like they've had an easy stretch. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think the Hawks are going to take this probably by like three or four points. Um, and I think Gordon Hayward not being there is actually a big, big missing piece just because that's another player that you don't have. Like in the playoffs, you play eight guys. Now the Hornets have to play their ninth guy because Gordon Hayward can't play. At the same time, though, the Hawks are without John Collins and they've played pretty well without him the last 10 or so games that he's been out. But they're playing Gallinari at the power four position. He's been pretty good the last 10 games um, or 10 or so games. Um, but again, going back to what we talked about in the first series or the first play in game, I keep saying series first play in game with Brooklyn, you know, they're just going to relentlessly attack him because he's probably like the worst switch defender in the NBA. Right. So how many minutes can he actually play in this game? Yeah. Like, I, I think uh, the opposite could be said about Montrez Harrell. Yeah, but again, like, I think Montrez Harrell is not that big of a piece, whereas Gallinari sort of has to play. Because yeah. if he's not playing, then you have Hunter, which is, you know, he's totally fine, obviously. 
Yeah. But then who do you play next to him? Either, you know, as a small forward position or power forward position. You play Luau Cabarro. Do you play... Who else do you have on the bed? I mean, you have Bogdanovich, I guess, but then you're playing really small. DeLon Wright? DeLon Wright. Like, you know what? I mean, if you look at it from, like, Porter's <laughs> point of view, too, like, they play two point guards in the backcourt. So maybe going small against them isn't that bad, honestly, because, like, Plumlee's not going to kill you if you're the Hawks, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. They also have Diang. Think... Hey, the... that's, he that's a Mr. Triple Double, Mason <laughs> Plumlee. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, he's triple double. He's solid. He's solid. He might actually play a lot in this game, is because you know if the Hawks go big, obviously with Clint Capella playing a lot of minutes, which they're probably going to, unless Okongwu has a big game off the bench. I think ultimately, like next year, Capella is not going to be on this team, and Okongwu is going to be the guy. Um, but in this one game scenario, you expect Capella to play like thirty six minutes, and it'll be interesting to see if um, the Hornets try to match up with him if he's killing them on the boards, or again they go back to the PJ Washington at center lineup. And it's trying to shoot a ton of threes. Okay, so Cleveland and Atlanta. That's what we're projecting here, right? It's going to be in Cleveland at Quicken Loans Arena. And I'm going to assume Jared Allen is still going to be out for that game. Are we looking at the Cavs kind of getting out of there or do the Hawks squeak into their, to the play in, or to the playoffs, I guess? Raj, what do you think? Uh, the Hawks got it here? I, I'm going to say, yeah, the Hawks. I, I, I do want to go back. Um, to one question to ask you guys. Who has a better defense, the Hawks or the Hornets, just in general? Uh, this year, the Hornets have a better defense. But theoretically, the Hawks should have a better defense. Like, the Hawks last year, with literally the same roster, had a better defense, Yeah, the right? team... But this year, they just don't give a damn. Yeah, yeah. I think the reason why this game is going to be close is both teams have, I th- in my opinion, very comparable defenses. Like, there's not one team that's like, uh, oh, they're clearly three or four. Like, this is probably number mm-hmm. 17 and 18th or 19 and 20 in defensive rating teams in the NBA. Um, and overall, uh, that's probably going to be the difference, which team actually can play defense down the stretch. Um, and just going back to your point, I, I, I think the Hornets are probably going to end up playing Mason Plumley and P.J. Washington, um, both starting. Uh because they play Bridges at the three and Lonzo and Terry Rozier with Ubre off the bench. Yeah, because that closing lineup, I don't think Plumlee's going to be there. Yeah. He usually does. Yeah, I'll probably be uh, Ubre. But yeah, in the yeah. Hawks Cavs scenario, um, there's a lot less variance because the Cavs don't shoot as many threes and don't play as fast as the Hawks, obviously. So more so comes down to strategy. Um, so, and the Cavs are at home too. And honestly, I prefer if the Cavs get in just to have some new blood in the playoffs and then you get Mobley, uh-huh. getting some playoff experience. And then if you get Allen back, which doesn't really sound like he's coming back, you know, based on him being ruled Doubtful. out tomorrow and he's got a broken finger. So why risk it at this point, I guess? Um, and it'll be interesting to see like Darius Garland in the first round, obviously, too. And I think that being at home gives them a slight advantage over a team like the Hawks who are just playing in the variance games by shooting a ton of threes and if Trey's cold they're not going to win so and they have to play two games in the span of what four or, or three days right so i don't know yeah i mean they're playing I, a faster team as well with the uh <laughs> with the hornets too so g- give me the calves take the calves well thank you thank you for making up your mind yeah. Yeah. jesus christ just went in there. circles yeah this guy is driving through a roundabout non-stop yeah, 
Come on. I'm just going to say, what do you think the Hawks record is against the Cavs head to head this year? Uh, I mean, with you bringing this up, it's 4-0 Hawks probably. No, it's it's 3-1. 3-1 Hawks. Doesn't matter. They did beat them really recently, (laughs) uh, 131-107, and that was with the major injury, obviously, to Jared Allen. Uh, I, I just think, again, playoff experience is going to trump like the youth movement that the Cavs had. And I, I still think defensively, like you mentioned earlier, they have a lot of weaknesses on defense, whether it's Laurie Markkinen, whether it's Kevin Love, whether um, Seti Osmond's had a like a very up and down year, not so good year. Um, like they just don't have enough defensive anchors especially with Jared Allen being out. So I, I think the Hawks are going to take that game. Plus that... I'm liking Cleveland. Yeah. And and oh, I'd yeah. love to see the Hawks versus uh, the Miami Heat. I think that could be a fun series. Yeah. Yeah. Ultra defense versus ultra offense is going to be fun. Yeah, I mean... That was good. If you had Jared Allen in that series, it'd be a lot closer, I think, between those two teams. Um, but with the Hawks, it'll be a funner series, but Miami will probably beat them down in five games. All right, let's move west. The first game, we have the Minnesota Timberwolves hoping to break there. I guess it hasn't been that long since they've been out of the playoffs. But the Timberwolves versus the LA Clippers. Josh, what are we looking at here? Can Carl Anthony Towns secure his spot in the playoffs with this game? You know, a lot of people are picking Minnesota, but I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to pick the Clippers for this game. Uh, the Clippers have the experience. They have the slight coaching advantage. I mean, Chris Finch has been really good this year, obviously, but Tyron Lue actually has real playoff experience as a head coach, um, whereas Finch doesn't yet. He's going to, I think. I think ultimately the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to make the playoffs as the eighth seed, but I sort of lean towards the Clippers in this matchup just because, again, they have the experience. They have guys who can really um, bomb from the perimeter, and Minnesota's defense has fallen off a cliff in the last 20-plus games. They have had the number one offense since the new year, which is great. So I think this te- this game is going to be really high-octane offense, which is going to be fun to watch, obviously. And I think this is probably going to be the best game out of the four. Um, but all- 100%. What's that? 100%. Yeah. Like, no question. And who's going to come up big in the clutch? I mean, Minnesota's crunch time defense, or crunch time offense, sorry, has not been very good this year. And I don't really trust any of those guys to be able... I mean, Carl Anthony Towns should be getting the ball in that scenario, but he's not going to. So do you trust D'Angelo <laughs> Russell and uh, Edwards to actually make the right decisions in the last five minutes of the game, or would you prefer Paul George? And I'll, I'll take Paul George. Yeah, like uh, I, I think this would be the funnest game because they're two very good basketball teams, but I really do think that the Clippers have the edge. I, I think... I'm trying to look at the betting odds right now, but I'm surprised they're not the favorites. Um, I'll take a quick peek right now. But Mm. I I think the big difference, like Josh mentioned, Minnesota's a minus three favorite. But uh, the big difference for me is the Clippers played better defense like over the stretch, and they have more capability, the experience factor. Plus, I just don't trust D'Angelo Russell. Like It comes down to your big players, and... Like Josh mentioned, is Cat going to get the ball down the stretch? Probably not because the players that need to feed him the ball aren't. And Minnesota has a very, uh, like, everyone takes turns on offense kind of strategy. And uh, in the playoffs, I don't think that's going to be as successful. And 
overall, I, I think the Clippers are a very good team, and they'll probably end up taking the seven seed. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think the Clippers just loading up on wings is going to make it really interesting for Cat as well. Because once once you have so many wings around, you're going to be able to slow down guys like D'Angelo and Anthony Edwards a bit, right? And then just Cat versus Zubac is going to be a hilarious matchup <laughs> when he goes outside and Zubac has no idea what to do out there. Kind of like what Jokic does to him. Uh, but yeah, you know, it'll be fun. I still like the Clippers in this one. It's also a factor of will Tyron Luce start the game with Zubac? on Cat, or is he going to do what he did the last couple games when they played, and they put um, Nicholas Batum on him, and they sort of fronted the post, mm. and they had a, you know, a hard time getting the ball, and when he got the ball, they just swarmed him. So, yeah. are they going to go with that strategy, or are they going to start off with Zubac, and then, you know, adjust in the second quarter after Cat has, like, four threes in the first quarter? It's going to be interesting to see, because Tyron Lue is very malleable with his lineups, and some guy, sometimes guys play in the first round. They don't play in the second round. He has a lot of guys on the bench, obviously. And Kennard is questionable tomorrow, too. So it'll be interesting to see if he doesn't play, if they have enough scoring off the bench. I mean, they have a lot of guys, obviously, with Norman Powell coming off there, Terrence Mann. Um, and the Minnesota's bench is hit or miss. So that could be a big factor, too. Norman Powell, man. Low-key, like, super efficient whenever he was playing this year. Good for him. Can we? Do we really want to talk about the Spurs Pelicans game, or can we just assume that whoever wins this game is going to lose to the Minnesota Timberwolves for the eighth spot? I wouldn't say that. I would not say that, honestly. Come on, come on! You think the Pelicans are going to win? I don't think they're going to win. But when you have two guys that can score thirty plus in a game, you can win any game, especially like those two with uh, McCollum and Ingram. And it's not to say that the Spurs. Mm can't win this game because obviously they can um and they won't much like the hornets and much like the hawks they're a high octane offense who doesn't play a lot of defense they shoot a lot of threes they have a lot of young guys in the team um but ultimately i think the pelicans will probably win that game i think it's gonna be a close game though and then you know when you have the pelicans um going into the last playing game um against either the clippers or minnesota we're assuming the minnesota here obviously um, if those guys get hot, they can easily beat Minnesota. Yeah, like I, I, I agree with everything Josh said. I think the Pelicans are going to beat the Spurs. Uh, I think having like just kind of a big change. I think once they made the McCollum trade, the Pelicans had just the boost of morale. They started playing better overall. They're getting better contribution from their bench guys. Uh, I think for the Spurs, getting this experience is valuable. Um, but I, I think Popovich probably knows that, uh, that it's an uphill battle. I doubt that they're going to be able to beat the Pelicans and then either beat the Timberwolves or the Clippers. So I'm writing them off. I hope the Pelicans win. Uh, they're the favorites in this matchup as well. And if they play the Timberwolves, like Josh mentioned, it, it really comes down to kind of a little more consistent three trio with, uh, Ant, Cat, and, uh, D'Angelo versus, Ingram and McCollum and McCollum can get crazy hot. You can have one good game and he's in the playoffs or in the Pelicans era. So I still take the Timberwolves as the eight seed though. Well, he's got to have two hot games for them to get in the playoffs. So I don't buy it, man. Y'all... I see what you're trying to do here and giving the Pelicans a little love, but nah, hard pass. You know, good try. Though. Matchup wise though, it is preferable that Minnesota gets a seven seed. And the Clippers get the eight seed just for entertainment purposes. 
because Minnesota's actually done really oh, well yeah. against Memphis this year. And that's the one team that D'Angelo Russell absolutely destroys. You wouldn't think that, you know, playing Memphis, who has a really good defense. But having D'Angelo Russell on my fantasy team, I can tell you that every single time he plays Minnesota or Memphis, <laughs> sorry, he absolutely destroys them. He has like at least 27 and 9 every game against Memphis for whatever reason. I don't know what they did to him in the draft process or maybe in the market when he was trying to get a contract, but he loves playing against Memphis. Sure. Sure. That's yeah, good to know. All just right. to verify Josh's stats. Uh, in two games this... Oh, no, that was last year. <laughs> Never mind. Well, the two games in last year's <laughs> season, he had uh, 24 points, 11 assists. So it's uh, pretty productive. I don't know about this past season, so... Taking He's had look. at least a couple 28 and 10 games this year, for sure. That I know. Against the Grizzlies, right? Yeah. Okay. That is interesting. So in the four matchups this year, he's had 30 points, 28, 29, 37. And he's been averaging wow. 8.2 assists. Shooting wow. 53%. And that's why Josh won our fantasy league. Uh, Look at that. Nice little... Uh, wow. We got a nice little clap here. Finally, some hard I'm work paid off. That. <laughs> no damn time. <laughs> He's like Freddie with a new baby, yeah. man. It's good luck. <laughs> I'll take it. Let me w- let me win our secondary league, but he took the primary, man. What a what a Thanks, guy. LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Um so let's do some previews. <clears throat> you guys talked about the Heat uh firstly against either the Hawks or the Cavs, depending on who you chose. Uh do we really, like? How do you want to do this? Do we really want to talk about this, or should we just go through the series that we know first, like yeah. the Bucks Bulls? We should do the series that we know, be... and then maybe we'll do a podcast before the playoffs start for this. Okay, so uh, Bucks and six, right? Just like Brandon Jennings said. <laughs> uh, let's say Bucks and four. But... There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really don't see a way that the Bulls pull any games out of this, considering they're. They had like the worst record against any of the good teams in the league, and they've been free falling since the All Star break. Basically, since Demar and Zach Levine were touted as like holy shit, they're All Stars this year. Demar gets to start the the All Star game again. Everything just went downhill for this team, and the Bucks, on the other hand, are rolling. I I I don't see any way that the Bulls can pull off even one game. Not in Chicago. Not in Milwaukee. Nowhere. I mean, I wouldn't say that exactly, because when you have two guards who can go again for 30-plus, it's possible they can at least win a game, especially game three in Chicago, where... Uh, no, 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 against Drew and Chris Middleton? Yeah. Chris Middleton is not a great defensive player. He's okay. Chris Middleton is a mediocre he's defender. He's okay. That's... He's a mediocre defender, but he's got length. He's got lots of length. He does. And, you know, obviously Milwaukee plays really good defense to now having Brooke Lopez back and forcing teams to play in the mid-range. But Chicago likes playing in the mid-range. So you would think that Chicago can get the shots that they want against Milwaukee. But the problem is on defense. They just have nobody to stop Giannis, obviously. They might have to start Tristan Thompson to actually guard Giannis, which is what they did in the last game that they played. And, uh, you know, Patrick Williams is back now, and he really played really well in the last game, obviously, the regular season. Um, but is he ready for the bright lights? That could be interesting. Hell no. You never know. Dude, he's a second year, he's a second year player that played like five to ten games this year. 
He's not ready to anchor a playoff defense. Not to anchor he's a defense, but in terms of, you know, being a factor out there on both sides of the ball, like, he's pretty big for them, obviously. But the problem with Chicago is they just lost their identity um, throughout the course of the season due to injury, right? So you hope to have Crusoe back for this series. He's had a couple injuries recently, obviously, and coming back from a major injury when Grace Nile undercut him. So that's another factor in this series as well that nobody's really brought up yet. Is will Chicago get you know revenge against Grayson Allen in the oh, first game oh, of the series? That'll be interesting to okay. see. Okay, now we're t- now you got me interested in this series again, John. Yeah. Who from the Chicago Bulls will be ejected for fouling Grayson Allen? Well, I've already brought the guy up who might be starting against Giannis, and that has to be Tristan Thompson. He's going to be the guy giving out the hard. That's good. Go- it's going to be <laughs> for sure. That's going to be his job. That's job number one in game one for Tristan Thompson. Yeah. Kind of like Drew Holiday checked into the last game to get his like to get his three hundred thousand paycheck or three hundred thousand uh, dollar bonus paycheck. That's what Tristan Thompson has to do here. They got to incentivize Tristan Thompson to foul the hell out of Grayson Allen in that first game. Or does Milwaukee take uh, the baseball ideology route and you know beam the other team's best player? So instead of fouling Grayson Allen, they go after Giannis instead. No, I don't. I don't think no. you go after Giannis. The face of the NBA, no. like that's not basketball culture. Yeah. Basketball. Well, neither is Grayson yeah. Allen Beaming. undercutting Alex Caruso on a fast break in <laughs> no, the but... middle of March or February, <laughs> whenever it was. Yeah, but beating like uh, a guy in the back is very different from undercutting somebody driving to the net. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's like like a, like beaming somebody in the head. That it... <laughs> That 80 mile per hour fastball is not going to be the same damage as undercutting somebody and taking out their legs. Have you ever had a fastball come at you at 90 miles per hour in the head, even with a helmet on? It's going to hurt. <laughs> it's going to knock you the out. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to point this out. This is never going to happen. Mr. Hypothetical over here is going through every <laughs> single scenario. You say that uh, now. I like yeah, it. But, uh, I like it, Josh. Yeah. Hey, Giannis has history against the Bulls, remember. In his rookie season or second year, he went after Mike Dunleavy yeah. in that playoff game. So they have some history here. And that was that was Giannis weighing like 100 pounds soaking wet. Look at Giannis now. Exactly. Maybe he'll undercut somebody, Josh. I mean, if Chicago gets him out of the game, they got a shot. You know you know what it's going to be? It's going to be Tristan Thompson going after an Antetokounmpo brother, and it's going to be Thanis. Thanos? Thanos, yes. <laughs> imagine, imagine the Nazis and Tristan Thompson. Doing That's that. probably what it's going to be. <laughs> two heavyweights. Two, two bench guys. Oh, my god! But, but honestly, that's going to be the biggest storyline of this series. <laughs> uh, the, Buc- uh, the Bulls are the only team in the Eastern Conference to have a negative point differential out of the playoff teams. Um, they, they got beat up by the good teams in both conferences. Um... This team did lose their identity. I, I think the fact that Drew Holiday, I, I, I still remember this series, and we all do, when the Pelicans beat up on the um, Trailblazers and locked down CJ McCollum and Dame Lillard, I think whether it's DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine, Drew Holiday can pull out a defensive masterpiece. Uh, and then you also have Giannis, who's an MVP candidate. Like This is going to be... Uh, a five-game series at most, four if we're being realistic. Uh, I, I think maybe the Bulls get game three, but it, it's five or less. And that's really what all we should say about it. Um, yeah, that's about it. 
Yeah, it really does suck. We have to point this out when Lonzo Ball got injured almost at the same time as Caruso. You know, the Bulls are rolling. They were a top five or seven defense, and their offense hadn't caught up yet. And then the later part of the year, their offense started to catch up a little bit, and then their defense just fell off a cliff. So if he was actually healthy, which he hasn't been his entire career, that's one point that nobody really brought up during the trade in the offseason, is even though when he plays, he's really good, he doesn't play enough. And he's not playing in the playoffs either. So, I mean, if he was playing, I think the Bulls could like at least take them to six. Because then you actually have that defensive intensity on the perimeter playing those two guys together with the big two, um, with Levine and DeRose, and then you got Vucevic, and you could hide him just with the activity on defense. But without him, you're going to have to play a rookie into Sumu, who's played really well this year, obviously, but he's not quite near that level. And, um, you know, he's probably not going to be ready for the playoffs either. So what am I looking at, Josh? Bucks and four. five? Four? Bucks and four. So is that a clean sweep across the board for all of us? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, this Philly and Raptors series where we have confirmed, and it doesn't look like it's going to change, Matisse Steibold will not be allowed to play in the Toronto games. Is that good? Is that bad? I don't know yet. But the Raptors have a... Let's say a very good history against the 76ers over the past few years. And uh, Nick Nurse pulls out some crazy stuff against Embiid. Uh, Josh, is it going to be another Raptors in 7 series again? Will somebody hit a a 4-bouncer game winner again? I really want to be the guy to pick the Raptors in 5 games. And I might actually do that, actually. (laughs) I mean, we've beat them two games. I know the regular season doesn't really mean a lot, but when you watch the games and you see how Harden especially has played against Toronto's defense, especially in crunch time, he can't score against us. And maybe with the week off, maybe his supposed hamstring injury that's hobbled him the entire season, even though he started off the first five games after he got traded really well, and he was averaging 28 and 12 or whatever against shitty teams. And then he started playing against the real teams and... He's been, I think, shooting like 36% since that point from the field and 31% from the three-point line. And against us, against the Toronto Raptors, I should say, um, he's been absolute (laughs) dog shit, especially in crunch time. He's been so bad. And we can literally switch any of our guys onto him. He has two moves. He is not going to be able to score. The only guy that worries me in this series, obviously, is Embiid. And... (laughs) Going back to the five ball thing obviously. for a second, obviously, like with him out of the lineup, you're having to play Danny Green a lot more, which variance, <laughs> right? Like Danny Green shot five for six against us in the last game, and they somehow still lost, even though we were without uh, Fred Van Vliet and OG. Um, so I, I like the Raptors' chances, and I'll let Raj talk, and then I'll go. I'll come back to my points. All right, uh, I'm I'm also a bit on the fence. I think. This series will go to seven games, whether the Raptors completely outplay the 76ers or not. Um, this is a, a big market in the U.S. Hard and Embiid get to the foul line. Um, I, I also think the fact that the Raptors were able to beat up on the 76ers um, is, I think, being a bit over-exaggerated. Yes, they did beat the the 76ers and they were big wins, like full credit to the Raptors, and they did have some key play- people out. But the average difference, but uh, the average uh, point differential in all their matchups was five points or less in all four matchups. And all the games are actually tight when you're watching the eye test. 
even the last game, the 76ers were up late in the game. Um, I think what it ultimately comes down to, and this is why I'm going to take the Raptors in seven, is just coaching. I don't trust Doc Rivers. I don't think that he uh, is capable of making the necessary adjustments. I also don't think they're going to have the depth necessary to compete with the Raptors, different schemes, uh, different matchups. They The, the 76ers are only going to play, without Tybal, they're going to be playing seven players probably, right? Um, and then in Philly, they'll probably have an eight-man rotation. So um, that's putting a lot of pressure on Embiid. But again, he puts people in foul trouble. Uh, the Raptors have done it, have done a good job against him historically, but uh, when he gets to the foul line that often and the refs control much of the game, that's going to be the difference in the series. Um, and also, I think another player that I guess we talked about quite a bit after the trade is Tobias Harris. He's been very poor since Harden's come over. He hasn't found his niche. He's really been diminished to uh, like a fifth man role and he's getting paid kind of third man money. So... Um, he's going to have to show up. And uh, the last thing I want to mention is Siakam's last time in the playoffs, which was uh, a few years ago, he clearly underperformed. And I think everyone says he's a different man. I see you guys shaking your head, but he underperformed. He The lights were bright. Um, he had a, a big role to, to have on that team, and he didn't step up to the plate, and he struggled in that Boston series. And uh, I think that could repeat itself. Um, so we'll see how that goes. New year, new me. Siakam is an entirely different person now. His short-range game is on point. He's absolutely demolished the 76ers all year. He even went at a beat in the fourth quarter of the last game and had, I think, like 15 points against the Sixers. So, in terms of Embiid, I got some stats for you guys. This is not Stats Corner, by the way. Um, Embiid versus the Raptors since the start of the 2019 playoff series. 37% field goal percentage. 27% 27% from three, under 50% shooting in 13 of the 16 games. Against every other team over that span, he's 51, 37, and 50, or uh, 50% shooting or better in 102 of 176 games. And Toronto's 11 and 7 against Philly in that span. Just goes to show you that Nick Nurse has the formula for not stopping Embiid, but definitely slowing him down. He's nowhere near shooting that type of percentage against any other team in the league. And that has to do with Nick Nurse just frantically, you know, just letting the Raptors run wild on him, essentially, and just trapping him whenever he gets the ball and just swarming him whenever he posts up. Uh, hmm. Is is part of this a result of just Embiid having to do too much on offense. Like, if Embiid has to carry the load, we're, we all we all know James Harden's history in the playoffs, right? Like, it's shaky, to say the least. <laughs> Tobias Harris has been shaky all year. Tyrese Maxey is probably the best, or the second best player for Embiid right now, right? <laughs> like, he's reliable as a shooter. He's a good cutter. He's actually hit big... Like, he has balls, is what I'm trying to get at, right? Like, this dude's not afraid to take shots. But if Tyrus Maxey is your second or even third best offensive option, is that really what you're going to like put all your ducks behind? Is that really what the 76ers have to bank on? I'm not saying that like it's it's a Raptors like sweep or anything, but it's it's very concerning if I were a 76ers fan that Tobias Harris and Harden both don't show up in the playoffs. 
both guys are making 30 plus mil, right? Maxi on a rookie contract is probably your second best option right now. It's worrisome. Yeah, I mean, the top factors that'll determine this series, as Raj mentioned, refereeing is obviously one. Because if the referees don't allow the Raptors to play the type of defense that they want to play and they call them these BS fouls where Harden and Embiid just throw their arms in the guys, then that could definitely play a huge role because the Raptors bench is not very deep, obviously. Neither is Philadelphia, but the Raptors play eight guys max. Thaddeus Young is the eighth guy. Um, and if some of their starters like Fred Van Vliet or Siakam get in the foul trouble, they're going to have a really tough time in scoring. And that's point number two, right? The Raptors, even though we think that they match up really well with the Sixers, they go through these spans of like four to five minutes, at least once a game where they just can't score any points. And then the third factor is James Harden. So if he actually plays well in this series, the Sixers should win. Because the Sixers technically do have more talent than us, obviously. It's just we have better defense and more of a will to win. <laughs> more of a will to win, not yep. like that. I also... I'm. Go yeah, I, I just want to, like, throw... I think the Raptors actually have more than... Like, I think, realistically, every game they should be playing eight guys, depending on, like, how close the series is and how well people are performing. Because, like, the way I look at the Raptors, like, obviously, they have Siakam, Barnes, uh, Trent, OG, and Fred Van Vliet. So, like, those five are the established players. And then you have Precious, you have Kem Birch... You have Chris Boucher, who's played really well against the 76ers. You also have Thaddeus Young. So that's nine guys. Yeah, and to be honest, if Precious Durant continues to shoot like the way he is, then the East is in trouble. <laughs> Honestly, though, like I didn't even count Ken Birch in this because that's, that's another factor going into game one is who they're going to start at the center position, right? Because Precious Achua has been absolutely incredible the last two games against the 76ers. I think he's hit like six threes at least. I think he had five in the last. He must have had like maybe eight threes in the last two games actually. And he shot like seventy percent from the field against the Seventy Sixers. And he started the second half when he didn't start the first half in the last game. So do you start him or do you start the lineup with everyone healthy where Siakam's at center? But either way, I don't think Kemp Birch is going to play a lot in this series unless everyone gets in the foul trouble, which is definitely possible with Embiid. Um, but ultimately, I think either Precious starts and Scotty comes off the bench, or Siakam starts, and you just play your best five players. Yeah, I mean, Birch right now is like just another set of hands, right? Like he's another big body to try to slow down and beat, or at least six fouls for him beat. Yeah, so. and whatever. And, and just uh, going back to the last game they played, like uh, the Seventy Sixers bench, uh, Nyang was minus twenty in nineteen minutes. Paul Reed was minus uh, 13 in 11 minutes, and Shake Milton was, like, minus 17 in 16 minutes. Like, they have no depth. Like, uh... But what about what about DeAndre Jordan? Oh, uh, he was, uh... Did not play. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the 76ers media has been all over this, actually, which is pretty funny. Uh, you know, the backup center position for Philadelphia. Like, all the fans and all the media wanted to be B-ball Paul, Paul Reed. And he's, you know, he's six foot eight, six foot nine. He's an energy guy. And then you see DeAndre Jordan, like some of the clips that came out in the last game with him. He wasn't playing any defense, just loafing around with it. He actually got booed too. And if you're playing that guy against the Raptors, it's sort of like when they played Greg Monroe against us. And ultimately, like going back to my third point about James Harden being the X factor, those minutes where Embiid is off the court and James Harden has to lead the offense, 
and he's going against um, the Raptors' big lineup where they play the all 6-9 lineup with basically no shooting on the floor. When they have, you know, Thaddeus Young, Boucher, uh, Barnes, Siakam, and OG. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see if they're able to score any points against us. And if they're not, if they have to play Embiid 44 minutes a game, which is going to limit his activity. Which they will, 100%. Embiid's going to play 40 plus, without a doubt. I hope for his health he doesn't, because that could definitely lead to injury. (laughs) Yeah, this Philly team is going to be... I mean, if they lose this series, it's going to be very interesting what happens to them this summer. Doc could go back to L.A. and coach the Lakers. Harden could, you know, say that he's not satisfied in Philly again. Could be a lot that happens. Josh, uh, what's your final prediction for this series, please? Uh, I've talked myself into Raps in five. Ooh. No, no, no. I'm going to go, I'm gonna go <laughs> Raps in six because it'll be better to see the Raptors beat the 76ers on their home floor and the fans boo James Harden off the court. That's the best storyline ending in this. It's a Raps in six. Whoa, wait, wait. Isn't it? Uh, game six would be Oh, you're in, right. Sorry. Uh, Actually, Toronto. you know what? I take it back. Raps in five. <laughs> I forgot we don't have home court. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're going uh, Josh five. I, I got Raps in six at home correctly. And Raj thinks they're going to win in seven on the road. Woo! Wow. Okay. Um... Should we quickly hit on this Brooklyn Nets series? Because obviously they're going to play against Boston. There's no way the Nets lose. No. You don't, you really, no. Josh, you just, really don't want just to. Just in case, I don't want to do you can, that. I don't want to like hypothetically break down a series. It's oh not going to happen. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. We can goodness. talk about it next podcast. Either way, Boston's, Boston's going to the second round, is all I'm saying. Uh, let's, okay, fine. At Josh's request, we can move on to the Western Conference where the Golden State Warriors, with or without Steph Curry, is a little uh, little mysterious right now, to say the least. We'll be matched up against the six-seed Denver Nuggets with hopeful MVP Nikola Jokic. Raj, Oof. do you think that Steph Curry will be back for this? In your expert, not-so-expert medical opinion, will Steph Curry be back for I this? I have no medical opinion on this because there's just... <laughs> there's just nothing there's no but, but just speaking on as an nba fan we want to see steph curry back um obviously he's one of the the faces of the nba uh i think what they mentioned on the last news report uh i think a day ago was uh it's going to come down on the wire it looks like he'll be ready but they don't know about setbacks and they're going to take a day to day uh he probably will play at some point in the series um but i think getting a player like steph and expecting him to be in full game shape with the pace of the game um, and shooting, which, again, he's the best NBA shooter ever. Uh, I, I think that that will actually be a distraction for the Warriors. Um, so I think overall, uh, I'm going to actually have to take the Nuggets. I do think the series will go uh, six games, though. So I'm going to take Nuggets in six. Wow. I was not expecting that. Holy cow. Um, (laughs) Wow. Um, I think Stephen Curry is going to be back, even if he's back by game two. I still think the Warriors have a a serious advantage here against the Nuggets. The Nuggets beat them 3-1 in the regular season, and there's been a lot of close games between these teams. The one clear advantage Denver definitely has, obviously, is Jokic. Um, But I think that Golden State can throw some junky defenses at him to at least 
slow him down to only average maybe like 25 and 20 instead of 35 and 20. Um, and, you know, does Denver have enough around him? You know, that's my biggest thing with them. And Golden State's defense, when they have everyone in the lineup, is elite, obviously. And I think that Denver in the fourth quarter, especially when Golden State looks at game tape of teams that have been able to limit Jokic, I think they should look at what the Raptors did against him in one game. And what a few other, like Phoenix has done against him in a few games too, um, where when he gives a ball up at the top of the key, just sort of like face guarding him. And even when he's the, the man picking on the ball, for example, for Monte Morris, you just let Morris go around that screen into traffic and make him make a play. So I think if they do that and limit his touches to where he's getting everyone else involved, I'm not sure if the Nuggets can score enough points against this team. And obviously Golden State has the advantage on the perimeter, so... Even if Steph is out for the first game, unless he's out for multiple games this series, I think Golden State is going to win the series. I mean, the solution to any one-man team is, you know, just to face guard the, the main guy, right? That's always a solution. But whether you can have Kevon Looney do it and Nikola Jokic not foul him out is a different question. You know what I mean? Jokic is going to draw fouls on everybody. It's it's just what he does. He draws fouls on big men, small men. It doesn't really matter. Uh, that being said, I think if Steph is out, it's a real problem. Even for one game, that means one game that Jokic is going to go in and destroy everyone else inside. Draymond's not going to be able to do anything to him. Looney's going to foul out within 20, 25 minutes. And Klay Thompson hasn't looked the same since coming back. He obviously has hot games, but more or less, I think he's about... He's not, like, that good right now, right? Like, some games he's great, but he's very inconsistent, and I don't know if you can trust that type of performance from Clay. I mean, he has been pretty good the last 10 to 15 games, though, right? Like, he shot a pretty high percentage, and he's had some breakout games recently as well. Against some crappy teams, obviously, but he's looking more like himself, and his defense isn't quite up to his standard, obviously. Um, but... Again, like Golden State just has more depth than you know than uh, than Denver does. And can you play Demarcus Cousins in this series, especially when he has to guard you know the guards that Golden State has running around screens? They're just gonna get wide open looks against him oh. if they actually play him. And if he's not playing, then you have to go down to Jamichael Green at center, and he struggled at the center position this year. So it's gonna be interesting to see how they play that. And maybe you just play Aaron Gordon at center. Maybe that's the solution when Jokic is off the floor. Hmm. Yeah, again, the the one thing, I, like I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about my like uh, pick here. I, I think if Steph misses a game, it's not the fact that he misses the one game that's going to decide the series, in my opinion. I think it's the fact that he's going to be coming off an injury, and like if any player was to come back and be expected to put up 25, 30 points and really run the offense, Steph could do it. But I've just seen in sports very often when you expect a player to come back from a pretty lengthy like injury, it's not like he missed a week or two weeks. Like this is what I think at least three weeks he's been out three or four weeks. Um, he Mid-March. yeah exactly so, four yeah weeks. four weeks. So what, when you expect that to happen, like it can take time to adjust, and uh, that means someone else is going to be coming off the bench. Is Jordan Poole going to be coming off the bench? Probably. Um, and he's done well in this role, but again, it's just knowing your role, um, is important. And I think another thing too, is ultimately, I think 
the Warriors are not the Warriors. The Nuggets are going to make Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green beat them. Like I think that's what they're going to rely on. I think Andrew Wiggins, if he plays well, the war the Warriors can easily win the series and they'll move on easily to the second round. But do I trust Andrew Wiggins to put together four or five really consistent games? Probably not. Does Draymond have a good offensive output um, since 2016? No. So I, I think the Nuggets really have a, a good <laughs> chance. I, I do think this will be one of the closer series, um, like every game going down, especially with the Nuggets. They are a team that's really resilient, uh, even against the Clippers last year. Uh, they brought a lot of games down to the wire. So uh, I, I think uh, overall um, it's going to be a close series. I'm going to take Nuggets in six, though. Nuggets in six, wow. Josh, what's your final look here? Um... With the Steph Curry factor as well, and Jokic being as good as he is, I'll take Golden State in seven. Feels like six, though. I'm going to go with seven, yeah. though. Yeah, unfortunately, I have to go Golden State in seven as well. It's hard to have a team with literally just one person. You know what I mean? Like, what are we going to have? Will Barton chasing around Clay Thompson and Steph Curry? Come and on, expected man. to put up like 20 Will Barton. on the other end. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like, is Aaron Gordon going to be able to slow down, realistically, Clay? He's not going to... I wouldn't bother putting Aaron Gordon on Draymond Green. He's obviously not going to cover Looney. That's going to be Jokic. Wiggins. So, Wiggins? Oh, yeah, true. True, true. Wiggins has been awful since the All-Star break, though. Yep. It's kind of like DeMar, man. He fell off after he got his K-pop <laughs> All-Star. He's chilling. Yeah, I, I don't know. Unfortunately, I got to go with Warriors in seven, but like you guys said, man, it really depends on Steph. If Steph doesn't come back or if he comes back in game three or four, Nuggets all day. But if Steph comes back game one or game two, it's Golden State. Then I think whoever, like the home team wins every game, basically. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I watched a lot of Nuggets this year, man. I know their faults. They, uh, I'd like, I know they're great on the road, but. When they're tired, or if Jokic is off or tired one game, like that game's a wash, and he's he's got a lot of weight on his shoulders to say the yeah, least. Yeah, and and just one other thing, just the kind of like uh, just explain why I think the Nuggets have a good chances. The Warriors actually haven't played a very good basketball team in a while. Like, uh, they played the Jazz, which are, they've been kind of free-falling. They played Sacramento, the Lakers, San Antonio, New Orleans. Um, And then the only other good team in the last, like, probably 10 games that they've played is Phoenix and Boston. And that was, like, middle of March and end of March. Every other team is the Spurs, Orlando, Atlanta, Washington. Like, there are some bad teams that they played. So, uh, to get up for a game like, uh, a series like this could be a bit of a challenge. Yeah, like the other thing that we haven't exactly talked about, we sort of like talked around it, is um, Golden State's not making a move at the trade deadline to get another big guy, right? Because you're going to have to play Kevon Looney a lot of minutes in this series just to try to save Draymond Green's body. Like ultimately in crunch time, Draymond Green's going to play center. But if Kevon Looney gets in foul trouble early, going back to the whole Embiid thing against Toronto, if um, you know Draymond Green gets beat up early in the series having to play... 20 plus minutes against Jokic instead of 10 to 15 then that can seriously sway the series and not having a backup for Looney even if it was 
um, Wiseman, if he was healthy, just to give him like 10 minutes a game where he could just be a big body in there and just put his arms up and collect yep. some fouls and just save Draymond's body. That would have been huge, but I don't think you can play Bielitsa against uh, Jokic. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Uh, okay, you know what? I changed my pick. Nuggets. Oh, wow. I swayed you, huh? I, yeah. You know what it is? I really thought about it, and uh, you're not beating Jeff Green in the first round. <laughs> Uncle Jeff Green does not lose in the first round. That's yeah, all. Yeah, Green's been good in the have... playoffs lately. Yeah. Jeff Green's been amazing this year. Have you seen this guy? This guy's like older than Kevin Durant, and he's flying around like Kevin Durant after heart surgery. Yeah. And also, the Nuggets have Faku, like the enforcer. Like, uh, would anyone want to mess with that team? <laughs> you know, the Nuggets low-key might be uh, one of the dirtiest teams we in the league. Got some yeah. blood. <laughs> watch out Steph Curry hey, if you watch do come back. <laughs> Draymond Green might not actually be the dirtiest player in a series? Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? Jesus. All right, can we move on? The final series we'll be talking about today, the Utah Jazz have really fallen off. Man, this team is going to blow it up this summer, but... I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. They're gonna lose in five to the Mavericks. I assuming that Luca is healthy. I just want to preface that. Assuming that Luca's cap strain isn't bad. This Jazz team it just. It, there's no chemistry, man. I know they're talented. I know they've been together for a long time. But if Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert don't get it together, if Donovan Mitchell keeps chucking up long jumpers in the clutch and continues to miss them. We're going to see Donovan Mitchell in a different uniform next year. And maybe Rudy Gobert, which would be hilarious. But, yeah, I, I don't see any way that the Jazz win this series. Okay, I do see a way that they can win, but I don't see it happening. So, just to be clear, you're calling for a full flame out. I'm, I'm calling for, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to make some, like, probably unnecessary comments about bombs and shit. But, like... <laughs> This team is going to blow it up, man. You're going to go full KG. <laughs> you know what I mean? In the pregame interview. Remember that in yeah. 2004 the, against the Kings? Bring the AKs. Bring the nukes. The Uzis. <laughs> the Uzis. God, that was good. Bring it all, oh, man. man. I'm so pumped after watching that. Oh, my God. Um, but yeah, in terms of this series, I don't know. It's a tough one to call, honestly, for me because Luka Doncic's injury with them being so vague about it and the reports that came out, um, as of uh, Monday, um, with them just not giving it for any information out, which is smart, right? Because you don't want you want to strategize against the team that you're playing against. Make sure that they can't um, strategize, knowing that Jalen Brunson is going to be the star of the team in the first couple games Absolutely. instead of you know Luka Doncic, which it sort of looks like it's trending in that direction. So Utah might actually be getting pretty lucky in this that where Luka might actually miss at least a couple games. You would think, right, Doctor? Again, it could go two ways. It, again, and this is, again, there's no information out there to say what the injury is and the severity. <laughs> it is a calf strain, so uh, we know that. But is it a grade one? Is it a grade two? Um, and then again, how cautious are they? Is this the first time he's had a calf strain? Um, has he had this injury before? There's a lot of variables that go in. Um, if it's a grade one calf strain, we could see him play. Like uh, later this week, it's entirely possible um, but again, he'll be at increased risk of re-injuring, re-aggravating that injury, and he might lose some explosiveness, um, and he's at risk of hurting himself like Kevin Durant did. If it's a grade two, I think the Mavs are going to have to be smart with this. Um, their team is probably not going to contend for the title. 
Uh, I don't think pushing Luca to play in game one, if it's a level two calf strain is uh, a grade two calf strain is necessarily the right move. Yeah, I mean, just talking about the series itself, though, I think this is actually going to be a really, a really close series because you have a defense, a really great defense against a really great offense, right? You have the number one offense in the NBA versus the number two or three defense overall. And I, I don't know how Jason Kidd has done it, but this team runs around like the Raptors essentially on defense, and they don't have the parts that the Raptors do. And yet they still play excellent defense as a whole, as a collective even despite having somebody as fat as Luka Doncic on defense, he still was fat. Yeah, he's still pretty fat. Um, but no, man, he's lost a lot of weight. He's lost easily thirty pounds since the beginning of the season. All right, That's so he's gone from obese to just fat in terms of like <laughs> no, NBA man, he went bodies, from... right? No, fat to overweight. Okay, come on, okay. A little pudgy. Who in the NBA looks like that? That plays even remotely close to an acceptable level of basketball in the NBA right now. Josh, man, we we talked about this earlier before we started recording. Sometimes you go positionless, sometimes you go limitless, you know? <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, but yeah, ultimately, like, you're going to have Gobert probably against Luka in the last five minutes of the game where Luka just brings him up every single time. And that's what the series is going to come down to is if Utah can get enough stops against Dallas and, you know, Dallas's defense, they can be able to like, keep up and keep up the pace of what they've been doing this entire season and be able to shut down Utah's three-point offense. And, you know, Donovan Mitchell has been criticized this season, obviously, with his crunch time numbers, which have been bad. But ultimately, in the playoffs, he's been a much better performer than the regular season. He was excellent against Denver. He was pretty good against Memphis. He was good against the Clippers until he had that ankle injury. And he's been a primetime performer in the playoffs. So, and now they have Conley healthy, which is what, like, the one thing they had to make sure of you know in the second half of the year is continue to rest him on back-to-backs on three and four nights to make sure that he was healthy come playoff time because he was also injured last year too so even though the jazz look like they're heading for a situation where they're gonna have to trade one of those two guys in the offseason after they flame out with Doncic's injury and their talent level is better than dallas overall even though dallas was the best player I'm going to take Utah, and I'm going to take them in six games. Wow, you uh, stole my pick there. I'm going to also take Utah. In typical Jazz fashion, they're going to do just enough to really think whether it's good enough to run it back or um, blow it up. And they're going to be left (laughs) in the same predicament they are every year, where they play well enough that the owners and the management is like, wow, we were so close if a few things went our way. We could have made a conference final, uh, maybe made the NBA finals. But you know what? We'll just run it back. We'll add Rudy Gobert. We'll get Jordan Clarkson. We'll do something different. And ultimately, just this combination of players isn't um, right, especially the way that Mitchell and Gobert play together. Um, But I think they'll beat the Mavericks. Again, you know that I'm a residential uh, Maverick hater. So I'm going to state toe the company line and say that the Mavs still don't have enough talent, uh, especially with an injured Luka. So uh, on paper, the the Jazz are like um, like a better team. They have more continuity. Uh, they have Gobert who eats up everything inside. Um, so I, I think the Jazz will win. I think it'll be six games. I think Luka will play, but um, we'll see how the, the series progresses if he re-aggravates that injury. 
Uh, and one other thing to note, the NBA did the Jazz fans very dirty by putting them in a 1 p.m. Eastern time start game, I think on Saturday. The Jazz are <laughs> then playing at 10 a.m. local time. Yeah, but that works to their advantage because Luka has one less day potentially or, you know, even multiple hours of lack of rest, right? Like he has to play the very first game of the playoffs, which sucks for Dallas because he's probably not going to play in that game based on all the doctors on Twitter and even yourself saying that any type of strain is going to cause him to miss at least, you would think at least a week, right? Which means that he's not going to play in the first game. Um, But if he was healthy, I'd probably take the Mavericks in seven, honestly. But because there's a question mark, I, I think I'm going to have to go with the Jazz. No, nah, man. You guys are missing two key factors here. Or not prep factors, but, you know, things I want to discuss. One, I think the Mavericks are kind of playing possum with Luka. It, like, it's a strategy to it, right? Like you guys both said. You obviously don't want to give your opponent any advantage to knowing how healthy your guys are, right? I think it's... I think they're overplaying it. Like, they're playing into the, the mystery of the injury. A bit, you know, just to like cause some doubt. You know, maybe the Jazz have to plan for Jalen Brunson to do a little bit more, or Spencer Dinwiddie to take over games like he has since the trade deadline. And secondly, the more important factor, the Utah Jazz have a son Whiteside on their team. There's no way they win. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's the anti Jeff Green effect. God. Exactly. Exactly. Come on, man. That's Mavs in six. Seven. 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 <laughs> Not not in Utah, but Jazz or uh, Mavericks and Seven. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Mavericks and Seven. I wonder what kind of even if Luke. No, go ahead. I wonder what kind of signs and what kind of chance they're gonna put towards Luca, because you had these like you know the Dwayne Wade signs in the background when he was playing against the Jazz and all these different things that they've said to players along you know the, the last five plus years of Westbrook and a bunch of other players complaining about playing in Utah. What are they going to say to to Luka Doncic? They probably can't even say his name. <laughs> they just got to fat shame him. <laughs> this is like donkey. <laughs> donkey kick. Donkey kick. There you go. <laughs> donkey kick. <laughs> like, what else are they going to do, man? I, I don't think the Jazz fans are that creative. It doesn't sound like they've been that creative with their insults to players. Oh, I know past, what they're going to so. do. I just thought of it. They're going to pull an Andre Iguodala and talk about his mom. <laughs> right that has to be it yeah they're pretty ruthless over there i wonder I, i'm gonna look this up after but i really wonder what luka Doncic's record against andre Iguodala has been since he got into the league like if i were luka i would target that guy every game you know what i mean blow his ass up every time especially since he's old mm-hmm. yeah i think the grizzlies also probably have uh you know big um you know target sign on andre Iguodala's back especially if those teams play in the second round Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for Nuggets Grizzly second round. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. Good luck with that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, no stats corner this week, right, Josh? We're going a little bit late. A little bit long, or do you have a tiny, tiny one? All right. I got a little something for you. Make it quick. I guess we're not going to do the uh, three-point champion, corner three-point champion. We're not going to do that. Let's go with on-off leaders. Um, can you guess the top five on-off leaders this season? I'll give you the teams and you give me the players. So first one, what does that Denver. Mean? What, is, what does that mean, on-off? Like the difference? Yeah, difference in on-off numbers. 
So in, ter- oh, well. in terms of offensive rating, Mikel Bridges led, but in terms of overall, when they're on the court versus off the court. Well, Jokic is the obvious one, right? I think that's been talked about to death. Correct. And then you have Portland. This is over the course of the entire year. Just remember that. Who is Portland's most important on-off player? It might sort of surprise you, but it sort of makes sense in the same way. Probably like Josh Hart or Justice Winslow. No, no, guys that actually played enough games for the actual team. Simons. No. Oh, wow. CJ? Incorrect. Nurk? Oh, Nurk. Big Nurk. Nurk. He's number two overall. Of course. Uh, number three. Yeah, Nurk was putting up all-star numbers, man. And they had Nurk is only paid this summer the entire year. I don't think, right? Uh no, that That's is correct. I can think of. They had nobody. Yeah, they have Drew Eubanks now, which means that they had nobody at the deadline. And they sat him in the last game of the year because they were afraid that he might actually beat Utah. Hey. Yo, the fact that OKC is sitting Pokachevsky it shows you everything about tanking this year, <laughs> yeah. man. Um, and then you have Boston. Tatum. Tatum. Correct. New York. This one you may not get. <laughs> Emmanuel no, quickly. You, you did get it. Well, Emmanuel quickly, number oh, four. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah. He's actually been a big factor for them. Wow. Positive factor. Yeah, he's had two two triple doubles in the last like four or five <laughs> games. Fantasy monster. Yep, him and Obi. And yeah. lastly, OKC is Kendrick Williams. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that could have been a fun guess. You would have never got it. It would have taken that. Would have taken us like twenty minutes, but we could have gotten there. I would have said like Jalen Horde. Yeah, the beast, or uh, or whoever the other guy is that they had that keeps taking hook shots. The guard. Oh, yeah, I can't remember his name. That was pretty cool though. Oh yeah, that was uh, and that was G League though. No, he was he caught called. No, that up. was their he NBA team. <laughs> oh, yeah. did he pull some uh, hook shots in the game? I think so. Yeah, this dude was like six feet tall taking yeah, hook shots. Yeah. Impressive. The most unguardable shot. By the if you way, want to improve your pickup game, Raj, I think you need to improve that shot. Yeah, I'm going to watch that tom- <laughs> tonight and then tomorrow all day for tomorrow ball. Just, <laughs> damn, I'm so jealous. Maybe I'll yeah. do that too. By the way, yeah, Luca right. was seen in a walking boot get before his MRI. No, he's not playing. Posted that in the group. There's a picture. Yo, man, don't worry about it. Don't worry about walking boots. It doesn't mean anything. Steph is probably in a walking boot. He's going to play. <laughs> you guys remember that? You ever seen that uh, meme of um, what's his name? Kevin Nash, Diesel, in WWF, where he's sitting on the in the wheelchair <laughs> in front of the announcer table, and he's got the cast on? And the cast is like in front of it. It's not like an angle, so you can't really see that it's not actually on him. And then he stands up. Is that going to be Luke in game one? Yeah. They're really playing this. They're playing into this uh, hiding so the Jazz can't figure out that Luca is their best player. <laughs> Yo, just watching it. It's all mind games now. The Jazz are mentally weak. That's why the Mavericks are going to win oh, this man. series. Just watch. Oh, <laughs> oh, I love it. What a great reference. Kevin Nash. Awesome. Also, RIP Razor Ramon since we're talking about this. Shouts to Scott Hall, man. Excellent bad guy in the wrestling world. <laughs> And on that note, I want to thank everyone for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, on Spotify. Leave us those good comments, five-star reviews. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Hoops Corner Pod. And until next time, peace.